squirrel. It's your past first point guard and Blazer beat writer Mike Richmond. Let's do another episode of Locked on Blazers, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts. Today's show is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked on sent you. Oof. You knew the Nuggets were going to respond in Game 2 after the Blazers beat them by 14 in Game 1. And they respond, they did. A 128-109 win in Denver to even the series 1-1. If the Blazers had won both games in Denver, that's pretty much it. Uh, In the history of the NBA, road team wins two games in a best-of-seven series. They have won 90% of those series. They've won 34 out of the 39 times it's happened. When you lose game two, your odds drop to about 30%. Those numbers courtesy of whowins.com. So while this this won't decide the series, a win would have decided it pretty much. Blazers would have had a 2-0 series lead coming back to Denver. You could have been sh- gone shopping for your favorite broom. Instead, we've got a series because the Blazers looked vulnerable. They looked vulnerable in game one. Like this was, you know, we talked about it here in the podcast. Like they did all these things right and then... With five minutes left in the game, it was a four-point game, and they pulled away in those final five minutes. But it was like a lot of things broke their way, and they still had to win this game in you know in the final in in clutch time or whatever it is. And we didn't get there in game in game two. We didn't get we didn't approach that because the Nuggets they just they came out and hit the Blazers in the mouth. They played with um, they played with the type of with energy and jolt and force uh, and and verve whatever coach term you want to use that you expect from a team down 1-0 at home. Like this it's exactly what you'd expected. And Blazers weathered the storm okay. Um, and then the most important part of the game happened in the final 2 minutes of the first half when the Blazers had trimmed a 18 point first half deficit all the way down to 4. And the Nuggets closed the half on an 8-0 run and went into the locker room up 12. And and never and the Blazers really never got truly close, truly threatening after that. So what I want to talk about on the show is not sort of the play-by-play rundown, but you know what went wrong for the Blazers here. You know the, the difference in Game One and Game Two. Uh, what changed for the Nuggets? What adjustments they made and how the Blazers reacted to those. And then we'll look ahead to Game Three. What do the Blazers need to do to bounce back? Uh, this is a series. You know this is we. If you are a regular listener, um, you know that I thought this was going to a series was going to go seven. Like I think these teams are really even. Uh, this kind of is just what what happens in in when you're facing a good team on the road, like sometimes you just, sometimes you might just lose, you know, lose grip of the rope or whatever. But this was a, this was not a heartening game for the Blazers. It wasn't like they played like a competitive loss and you thought right there, like they got smacked. They got smacked around tonight. So let's, let's talk about a little bit what, what, what the big difference was here. Uh, it starts with just like simple stuff. The Nuggets didn't shoot well in game one and they shot well in game two. A lot of that was bla- bad Blazer defense. Uh, just, um, in kind of bad Blazer defense in a new way, instead of, you know, they were going to play Jokic the same way where they weren't going to double team, they weren't going to uh, get caught in rotations, but they just got, they got beat on straight line drives and straight cuts. Like this is just, just a bad, a bad defensive game. Um, and the Nuggets like got what they wanted early, got a rhythm. Once you let, let guys get rhythms, it, you know, get a rhythm, it's, it's, can be troublesome, but you know, they, they made also some of just like making their threes, you know, Composo hit two, Austin Rivers hit two, uh, both, you know, Rivers hit him, hit him early. And while the Nuggets were building a big lead, Michael Porter Jr. Hit some threes. 
Jokic was freaking fantastic because he is just a really good basketball player. And the Blazers spoiled a special night from Damian Lillard, but they spoiled a special night because he didn't get help. In game one, Anthony Simons and Carmelo Anthony combined to shoot eight of 13 from three. Uh, Melo is Melo does one thing well in its score, and when he does that well, the Blazers typically win. Uh, but when he doesn't score at a high level, he doesn't do a lot else, and he was bad in this game because he didn't score. Anthony Simons, who hit four or five threes in game one and, and looked like, you know, hey, this he can really be a contributor, took one shot and made it off a of feed from Dame. Left quarter, early first half. Like, <laughs> he, he just didn't, he didn't, he wasn't back in it after that. So you don't get the scoring punch. You don't get that. You don't win the bench minutes. The Nuggets won those bench minutes. Paul Millsap kicked the Blazers' ass all night. He finished with 15, 7, and 3 assists. Monty Morris was really, really good in this one. He finished with 12 points and 7 dimes up in 30 minutes off the bench. He's He was fantastic. Um, he, he was a, a big difference maker. Denver played with juice. And they won the bench battle. Like, that's the difference. Um, it's the stars kind of cancel each other out because Damian Lillard, is, as good as Jokic was, Damian Lillard was was truly amazing. He put together one of the great first halves you will ever see. One of the great first halves you'll ever see. A, a shooting performance for the ages. Finished with 32 points and made eight three-pointers in the first half. Just bonkers. And then after the Blazers were down big, he helped them claw all the way back. And he helped him call all the way back in the way that Dame does. Just FU bombs from 28 feet. Hit one from when, when his uh, toes were inside the center circle at midcourt. Austin Rivers sagged off him a little bit. And it's okay to sag off someone, I would argue, at 40 feet. But it's not okay to do that to Dame. And he, he aced one. And that got him going. And once he saw the ball go through the rim, he was incredible. He was fantastic. Like I said, this was as good as you've... Um, as good as you can play. Like, this was a... I, I tweeted out, like, Dame is a treasure. This was, like, just a absolutely special performance from him in the first half. And the Blazers desperately needed it, and he kept him in the game. And they didn't get enough help. He just didn't get enough help. So bad Nurk night. Uh, he fin- he fouled out in, in 25 minutes, finished with 7 points and 13 rebounds. 2 for 8 from the floor. The and one finishes. The the finishing over finishing through and over little guys and, and being tough and all those things that you saw from Nurk in Game 1. He just didn't have it in Game 2. He, he got, seems like maybe he got rattled a little bit early and just he never settled in. He, he, he just never settled in. Uh, Robert Covington was basically a zero on offense. Uh he has these nights where he's he's can be good without shooting a lot, but this was the night where he wasn't particularly good um, without shooting a lot. Uh, he only took three shots in 37 minutes. Like the Blazers, just they need, especially on nights when Ant, when Carm, when Mello and Ant don't have it or aren't aren't producing. Like they just the the tertiary scores, the the fourth and fifth level scores need to help, and and Rocco needed to just be a little more effective, and he wasn't. Moving on down, like uh, Norman Powell. Just they need more from Norm on offense. Um, you look at his his box score and it doesn't look like it doesn't look terrible. 15 points on five of nine shooting, got to the free throw line, made five of six free throws. But just watching the game, like he just didn't he just didn't have it. He missed makeable shots over three from three. Like uh, he's struggling with his outside shot in this series a great deal. Uh, now one for seven in the series. Like he's, they just, they need him. They can't afford for him to be this, you know, he can't float around and, 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 you know, miss his drives and things like that. Like they need him to be that they need him to punish teams for leaving him open. And and then when they're sending so much attention to Dame, he needs to be able to, you know, he just needs to be, he needs to be impactful and loud. And I don't think he was loud in this game. Uh, and then, and then CJ McCollum, like this is, 
this is probably the most this was probably the most frustrating part of the game for me is that Damon Lord's going nuts. Like you can only when Dame's shooting as as often as he is and like that, like they you don't expect CJ to have like a monster first half, right? He has eight points in the first half. It's whatever. He um, you know, he had he had a couple shots early. He he was fine though. It's like, okay, but Dame has been nuts. You just need to pick up the slack because you know Denver is gonna send him so much attention. They're gonna go into the locker room. The only thing they're gonna talk about is that Damian Lloyd just had eight threes and has thirty-two points. If he scores sixty, we're gonna lose. We cannot let him score sixty, right? Like it, that's exactly, you know, Denver's focus. They're going to change up what they do or they're going to show them different looks. And we'll talk about that in the second segment. They're going to do all these different things, right? Like they're going to, they're just going to make Dame's life hard. That's the, that's the bat signal for CJ McCollum. This is, and, and so many times in the playoffs, he has grabbed that baton and said, oh, you need some help. You know what I'm really good at is one-on-one scoring. But the CJ just, he just, he did not have the juice that, um that they, that was, required for the Blazers to have a chance in this game. He finished, like, again, this is like, you look at his block, box score, 21 points, six boards, nine of 12 from the floor, two of three from three, but he did, He needed to be more aggressive. Um, he turned the ball over five times, and they were, some of them, just egregious, sloppy turnovers. Um, he, we'll, we'll talk about what the, what the Nuggets did to him in the second segment, but the, but the Blazers, like, their formula was, it wasn't exactly what game one was, right? Because I don't think you're going to get the type of performances you got from Simons and Mello like several more times in the series. You maybe get one more game where they combine for eight threes, maybe. Um, that's a bunch. But you'll get, like, one of them will have a good game, for, at least one good game, and maybe both on separate nights will get it. Like, you'll get some more offense somewhere else. It's just they're they're good scorers to some extent, good shooters for sure. Um, but you just need CJ to be... You need CJ to be the 1A, and you need Nurk to be really good. Like, Nurk was really good in Game 1, and they needed that. And and the Blazers spoiled a special night from Dame, but with an inability to stop Denver. I don't want to bury this team. Like, I, I thought Denver would win this game. I thought they would bounce back. I think this is going to be a long series. The way you get a long series is you alternate who wins. The Blazers played really well in Game 1. You, typically, the team that loses is the team that sort of the onus is on them to make adjustments and and move forward. And, and the Nuggets, uh, you know, they're a little more creative with uh, getting instead of just having Jokic like straight up attack. They were they're running some more action with the guards and then getting Nurk like or Nurk getting Jokic the ball like in the middle of the floor against Nurk. Uh, you know, late in the clock with the defense kind of moving so he didn't get all ten eyes on him and stuff like that and let him go after it. And you're looking at the MFing MVP like he, he's he's going to score. It's just you. If you're going to give up 27 points to Paul Millsap and uh, Monty Morris, you're going to lose. And this is like the two things that for me that stand out are the 8-0 run to close the first half. Like that's just the Nuggets just put just put their stamp on the hat half. They said, oh, Dame's really special. Guess what? We got a really special guy too. Jokic finished with 25 in the first half. And when he came back in, they were really good. But it's the coming back in that's the problem. That that eight zero run of the first half changed the game. In my in my opinion, those are the most important two minutes of the game. The Blazers lost them. They all that work they did erased down twelve at halftime. Terrible close to the second quarter. It's where the Blazers had excelled in the first in the first game. They won the close to the quarters. They did not do it in game two. the The end of the first half was was bad news. Blazers actually closed the first and the third quarters pretty well, but the end of the end of the halftime was a, a game changer. And the other thing that was a game changer, the Nuggets outscored the Blazers by nine points when Jokic was on the bench, and this is before garbage time. The the Blazers, um, with about three and a half minutes left, waved the white flag, put in 
Harry Giles and Richard Jefferson, TJ Leaf, uh, not zero little CJ Ellaby. Like you, you, we, we got the end of the bench, the, the true white flag. But prior to that, the Nuggets were plus nine with Jokic on the bench. The Blazers cannot win those games. They can't, if, if, if the, if that number's in the positive, if the minutes with Jokic on the bench are positive and they're more than like two, it's more than a bucket, Blazers are going to lose. You cannot, they cannot win against, they cannot beat the Nuggets if they get outscored when Jokic is on the bench. Because Jokic is going to whoop their ass. Like, he's just so, so good. But the way to beat this team is to beat them with your superior depth and your superior, your more, you have more firepower than them. Like, the Blazers aren't going to lock this team up. They could do a little better than they did, but they're not, they're not going to lock this team up, right? Uh, these are going to be high-scoring games. The team that wins is going to score 125+. plus. Like, I, I'm comfortable with that. Whatever. But the if you get, if you get outscored by nine and at one point it was 13 uh when i was tracking this late in the fourth quarter before the blazers scored some meaningless points at the end like if you're gonna get if you're gonna get crushed by in the in the minutes that Jokic is on the bench and the and the no Jokic minutes you're gonna lose you're gonna lose like if if paul if paul Millsap and monty morris are punking you or you know or getting getting theirs like it's over you're, you're just you can't win those you're not going to win those win those games uh, the Blazers, I don't know if they have like a superior bench or whatever, but they can put lineups out there. They can stagger and do things. And this is like a lot of this is like CJ without Dame out there. He's got to be great in those minutes without Dame on the floor. Like he's got to be, he needs to be himself. Like he just needs to be, he just needs to be a, an efficient and, and consistent scorer. Uh, the Blazers can't win if, if Monty Morris is kind of matching CJ shot for shot and, and just punking him. Like they're just, they're, they're going to lose those games. This is, um, the formula was good Nurk some real bench scoring outside of Dame and, uh, you know, enough timely defense to make it happen and, and not giving up the big nights to secondary players on the Nuggets. Like anybody, you know, it was it, the assist thing was everyone pointed to, but it's just, it's more than just basic ball movement or, or, or sort of like box score stuff. It's just the Nuggets got, they got too, they got, it was too easy for them. It was too easy for them when Jokic was in the game. And, and that can, is somewhat understandable because of how good he is. And, but if, if it's too easy for him when he's out of the game, like if Paul Millsap is beating Norman Powell to the rim on a straight line drive, you're, that's it. Like that's, that right there is the ball game. So what I want to talk about in the second segment is a couple of things the Nuggets did different. Like they changed some things up and they made it a little harder on the Blazers and those adjustments. Uh, I don't think they outright won the game, but they certainly changed changed the feel and 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 swung things at least a little bit back in the in the Nuggets' favor. And then they once they had things back in their favor, they grabbed it and didn't let go. So that's what we'll talk about in segment number two. What the Blazers, what the Nuggets did a little bit different against your Trailblazers. But first, let's talk about Lucy. Lucy Nicotine is a company founded by Caltech scientists and former smokers looking for a better and cleaner nicotine alternative. Finally, tobacco alternatives that don't suck. Researched and developed for three years to be made for people, not patients, Lucy has created a nicotine gum with four milligrams of nicotine that comes in three flavors, wintergreen, cinnamon, and pomegranate. Lucy also has got lozenges with four milligrams of nicotine and... They are all FSA and HSA eligible, so you can use your FSA cards to purchase Lucy now. And it's convenient and discreet. Products can be enjoyed anywhere, on flights, at work, on the go, even in the gym. So, it's 2021. Get rid of your cigarettes, unplug your vape, throw out your dip, and get some Lucy nicotine gum. Or lozenges. This is the real deal. A subscription to Lucy comes directly to your door each month. It's so simple and you don't have to leave your house because Lucy has delivery down. 
Again, FSA and HSA eligible, so you can spend your pre-tax dollars on them. Here's what you do. You go to lucy.co, that's lucy.co, and use the promo code LOCKEDONMBA to get 20% off all products on, on your first order, including the gum or the lozenges. That's lucy.co. Use the promo code LOCKEDONMBA at checkout. Also, I have to give this disclaimer. Warning, this product contains nicotine derived from tobacco. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. One last time, that's lucy.co and use the promo code LOCKEDONNBA. Today's episode is also brought to you by rockauto.com, the family business that's been serving auto part customers online for over 20 years. And look, rockauto.com makes it easy for you. And not only because they've got a catalog that's unique and remarkably easy to navigate, and not only because they've got uh, thousands of auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers, and not only because you, with a few easy clicks, you get it all delivered directly to your door. No, it's easy because it's cheap. Easy because inexpensive. If you're going to a place, going into a store, a brick and mortar store to buy auto parts, you are going to run into all types of hurdles that make it less easy. One, it's going to be more expensive. Two, sometimes those places have a mechanics only section or a mechanics only price. RockAuto.com is not doing that. They're charging the same for professionals as they are for the do-it-yourselfers. All of it comes directly to your door in a few easy clicks and the prices are always reliably low. So, Go to rockauto.com right now, see all the parts available for your car or truck, and write locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box. That way they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Rockauto.com. All right. So we talked about what went wrong for the Blazers in game two and his whole bunch of stuff, but it didn't go wrong in a vacuum to use a Neil Olshay-ism. It went wrong on the basketball court in real life right in front of you because Denver did stuff a little bit differently. Let's sort through some of the Denver's adjustments here in the second segment and the impact they had on the Blazers. The number one thing they did was change who and how they guarded Damian Lillard. Falco Campazzo got the assignment in game one and Damian Lillard gave that fool a million buckets and it was just, Falco went hard as hell and it didn't matter. Guess what? Falco still went hard as hell in game two, but he was guarding someone different. He was guarding CJ McCollum. And quite frankly, I think that, I think Falco's style bothered uh, CJ much more than it bothered Dame. Dame's so physical and he's he's so good at slowing da- you down to his pace, you know, darting past you, then slowing down to his pace and like using his strength that Falco's just kind of like, um, you know, rock in your shoe, whatever. I was going to say be in your bonnet. So let's go with that one. Be in your bonnet style. Like he's just going to be up in your shirt. He's a little gnat. doesn't bother Dame, but it seemed to bother CJ a lot more. But in the first half, that meant that Austin Rivers guarded Damian Lillard. And quite frankly, I'm just going to say this and it's like, it sounds stupid as hell, but like, I know what I saw. I thought Austin Rivers was a better matchup for Dame. Now, Dame had 32 points and hit eight three-pointers in the first half, so he might disagree a little bit with your boy, and that's fair, but I thought Austin Rivers, his, he was just a little bigger. I think just the size alone, you got, you have to guard Dame with length, and I think the size alone was valuable. Like, I think that um, that helped. Uh, it didn't help much because, again, Dame was had 32 and hit eight threes and had, like, really one of the great offensive halves you'll ever see, but in part, it's just because he's so freaking good. It didn't matter who was who was defending him. But getting Falco off him was a nice adjustment. And then after Damian Lillard went, like, full-on Inferno, they made a second adjustment, and that was to play Aaron Gordon on him in the second half. We talked about that in the last podcast. We knew this was coming. 
we knew it was coming. Like we knew we were going to see Aaron Gordon on Dame. We didn't know how effective it would be, but um, we knew that that was the that was sort of the chess piece that that Michael Malone had was if if, if he had. You know, you, you look at the roster. Who do we have that's long and is a capable defender? It's one name, right? Like, it's it's Gordon. And I thought Gordon did a good job in the second half. Um, it's One, it's just length, so it cuts down on Dame's, like, absurd isolation ability because you just have a taller person on him. Uh, he wasn't able to blow past him, uh, which I thought maybe Dame... Uh, might be able to, might be able to, like, that was what my concern was from Aaron Gordon's perspective is like, you're not fast enough, dog. But um, Dame didn't burn him, like, totally. Some of that is team defense. And the other thing is when they did send two to the ball or bring guys up to the level, like, Gordon's length coupled with whoever else's double teaming was, was, was better. Um, Another thing, and I haven't rewatched the game as I'm recording this, so we'll talk about this later in the week, but uh, the Nuggets were able to avoid a bunch of Michael Porter on Dame. Uh, Dame attacked him a, a ton in the first half, but they got away from it a little in the second half, uh, and I thought I thought the Blazers could have hunted that more, and that was a problem. The other thing is we saw a little bit of Shaq Harrison. Not a ton, but late late um, in that third quarter and into the fourth, uh, Shaq Harrison, who's, you know, a defensive ace for the Nuggets. Once the Nuggets were just scoring like a, a kajillion points, they realized like Harrison, who is an offensive liability, was going to be the guy. Uh, Marcus Howard got the first half shift and he played one possession of competitive defense against Damian Lillard. Congratulations to him at the end of the first quarter. But that's not an option. Like you can't, you can't put him, you can't put a two, you cannot put a two-way rookie out on Dame in the playoffs. Like, I mean, dude had 32 against Austin Rivers, who's like a competitive veteran. Like, um, Michael Malone's, Michael Malone's too smart for that. So he put Chuck Harrison on him a little in the second half. And I thought Harrison was, was fine, even good. Like the length of Gordon and Harrison was a much better plan. And that like brings me back to what we talked about in the first segment, but I, I wanted to kind of take these things separately is like, they just, this is why CJ needs to be better because if they're going to put a little five foot nine gnat on you, um, you got to just, CJ has to take advantage of that. And he, and then, he, and CJ has to be the guy hunting Michael Porter Jr. Switches. If you are guarded by Falku and someone else being guarded by Michael Porter Jr., like it is imperative on you cj or norm to go ahead and put those two gentlemen in a pick and roll and say go ahead and guard this like you put the you put you know Falco's not a terrible defender but you put a little dude and a bad def- and a, a pretty bad defender and michael porter jr in the pick and roll every single time you just you just have to hunt him and you have to hunt him r- relentlessly until the nuggets either prove they can stop it or have to make an adjustment like you just the blazers didn't mismatch hunt enough in this one i think that was that was a problem but the defensive adjustments um Really, those defensive adjustments from Michael Malone, they changed the game. I mean, they didn't really, really change the game because what changed the game is the Blazers couldn't stop anyone. This was like a revert back to their worst level of defense that they've played. Some of it is that the Nuggets are just a really good offensive team. You knew there was good, they were going to make more shots in this game. You knew they were going to play better. But the the Blazers didn't put up the sort of requisite resistance that was needed. The other sort of big impactful thing that the Nuggets did was they just played harder on defense. They they just in the first particularly in the first 8 minutes of this game, they just they had ramped up their defense to a level that we didn't see in game 1. They just played harder. I mean, sometimes it's that simple. I kind of think that like reducing it to just play harder is like a little bit foolish because there's like 
first of all, there's like a max of how hard you can play. And like two, these guys are all playing pretty darn hard. Like the Blazers, I don't think they're, I don't think effort was the issue tonight. I think focus um, and, and sort of like game plan discipline. They nailed the game plan in game one. They didn't nail it in game two. They, they, you know, Jokic is going to feast. He's averaging like 35 on almost 70% shooting in this series. And I think that might stick. It's just, they got to be, they got to be sharper on everyone else. But the Nuggets were sharper early. Uh, Monty Morris talked in to uh, in the media, um, or told reporters, rather, I guess is the best way to say that, on uh, Sunday that basically uh, the Nuggets watched their film and they had the worst contest rate of, that they had had all year. Like, they just didn't contest shots at the level they needed to. So you knew they were going to play harder. And they did. They trapped harder. They were more opportunistic. They were physical. The game like, it felt like a playoff game. More on that in a second because of, like, the physicality. And that, well, that coupled with maybe just some Blazers sloppiness led to the to Portland turning the ball over way too much. Uh, the Blazers, who moved the ball so well in game one, some of it is, like, if you just look at the assist numbers, like, they shot really well in game one, so the assist numbers are high. But they didn't, they didn't, the ball didn't move as much because Denver was more aggressive. And because when they got down early in that first half, like, Damian Lillard just had to take it upon himself. Like, the offense was coming from one guy, and it was coming from one guy in the way where he just launches crazy threes. Um, he, you know, it's just, it wasn't, it wasn't going to lend itself towards like high assist basketball, but beyond the assists, like, I think we get caught up with too much in that number. you like, you can, you know it when you see it, like the ball just didn't move as much in game two, but the Blazers were sloppy. They were careless. They were, they were loose with the ball. Uh, they turned the ball over on nearly 20% of their possessions. They had 21 total turnovers as a team. Um, that's 19 good for 19.8% turnover percentage. Like that's, 20% 20 of your possessions ending with you giving the ball away is, you know, if you're not, a, you, they're typically a very low turnover team and they're a really good offense. And they're part of the reason they're a really good offense is because of they're a low turnover team. They just, they getting a shot up is more valuable than not because they have so many good shot makers. They're not going to win if they do that. And I think some of that was just Denver playing playing more aggressive on defense and more physical on defense. A comment on the physicality, uh, the the refs were really bad in this game, but they weren't really bad in a way that impacted um, anything other than the flow. They had no effect on the outcome whatsoever. They just called a shitty game on both ends, and they ruined the third quarter of an otherwise entertaining basketball game. Jokic had 20, Dame had 30 at halftime. We're getting this incredible duel between two great players. Uh, you know, the Nuggets are trying to pull away. The Blazers are trying to to claw back, and instead the refs called 20 fouls and uh, CJ got a weak flagrant. There were technical fouls. There was a technical foul at the end of the half, just walking into halftime for Monty Morris talking shit. Like it was just, it was the the refs just did a terrible job. They ruined the flow of the game. It had zero impact, but it was notable because it sucked. It made the game boring. Um, so boo. <laughs> to that I say boo. Let's talk about how the Blazers win game three. That's what we'll do to close out the show. But before we get there, let's talk about Bet Online. It's the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. You want to bet on the Blazers bouncing back in game three, winning, covering, how many points Dame scores, how many threes Dame scores, how many points CJ scores in a bounce back effort, what Nurk does when he plays better in game three at home. You can do that all on bet, at betonline.ag. All of it, literally all of it's right there waiting for you. Props on almost anything you can imagine, breaking the minutia down from this game. And if you don't want to bet on the Blazers, you want to steer clear of your favorite team, well, you can bet on baseball, you can bet on hockey, uh, UFC, MMA, horse racing, 
Whatever it is, you will find it there on Bet Online. So why don't you just head on over to that website right now, betonline.ag. Use the promo code LOCKEDON when you're making your first deposit, and you'll get a 50% welcome bonus on that first deposit. That's betonline.ag. The promo code is LOCKEDON. You'll get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Still a pass-first point guard. Still Mike Richmond. Still listening to Locked on Blazers. We talked about what went wrong for the Blazers in segment number one. We talked about Dame going inferno and it not being enough. The two crucial moments in the game. The 8-0 run to close the first half, erasing all that good work that Damian Lillard did. Going instead of down four, down single digits at halftime, you're down 12. And now you're fighting an uphill battle after an all-time great offensive performance in the first half from Damian Lillard. We talked about the adjustments that Denver made. I thought their defensive adjustments, they pretty much only had a couple to make. They made them both. They mostly worked. And the Blazers lost this game because they just couldn't get enough stops. They just have to get sharper on defense. And it's not against Jokic. Like, it is to some extent. Like, he, it would be helpful if he was a little bit worse. But I'm, I'm saying, like, if you can you let Jokic eat, they can't let they can't get beat, can't get outscored on the bench, can't get crushed that way on the bench. They can get outscored maybe by, by Denver's bench, but they can't get crushed. And tonight they got crushed by the bench. But that's in the past. That's game two. That's Monday night. Let's talk about Thursday night. One, there's going to be 8,000 fans in Moda Center. That's cool as hell. <laughs> uh, I, I think there's like some politics maybe involved in like who should be at sporting events and all that. Um, you know, but let's, ha- let's have that conversation somewhere else. Uh, th- here, I just want to say like, if you're a Blazer fan, congratulations on a, a if you live here, an opportunity to uh, potentially go see this team after um, it's been a while. Um, and, you know, when there were only 1,900 tickets, they were hard to come by. It'll be a little easier to get on Thursday, although they're going to sell out very quickly. Uh, they will be available on Tuesday to the general public um, at some point. I'm not exactly sure when, but check, you know, check trailblazers.com and their their social media feeds. They'll let you know. Uh, so if you're lucky enough to get one, congratulations. 8,000 people in that arena is going to sound loud as hell <laughs> like it's going to sound full and um a playoff atmosphere befitting of how important that game is so that's that's cool uh part of there are uh, like little details on that basically multnomah county where portland is located uh hit the threshold to be uh considered like low risk or moderate risk i'm not exactly sure the language but lower risk than they were before um and so you they're increasing the attendance at um indoor all sort of like indoor venues which includes the motor center but the motor center also worked with the Oregon Health Authority and the governor's office to have a vaccinated section to bu- to bump up their attendance even a step further than was going to be allowed under under uh, uh, like other guidelines, other state guidelines. So good on the Blazers for figuring figuring that out, finding a way to get that arena full and and you know go there, have fun, be safe. It's going to be rad to have a a, a something that approaches a big crowd for a playoff game. The, this team deserves it, so I'm glad they're going to get it. But they're going to have to play the basketball game too, right? <laughs> it's not just fans. They're going to have to play the game. So what can they do to to swing the, the game back in their favor? Swing, you know, regain home court advantage or whatever. Win game three. Uh, some of it is just like, it, 
there aren't like these big picture adjustments in, in part because they don't have another person to guard Nikola Jokic. Like you can't in the way that the Nuggets can say, hey, maybe this little chess piece will work if we, you know, if we move Aaron Gordon over here and give a little bit of Austin Rivers, give a little bit of Shaq Harrison. Like, you know, they they have like a couple little things you can try, little tweaks, like obvious tweaks you can try. I don't think the Blazers have that. Like you can't, you need to put size on Jokic because he'll just, he's too strong. He'll just bully a little guy. Like you can't put Covington on him. He'll shove him in the locker. A couple times that you, they got switched um, in this game and I didn't love those switches. Like Rocco's just totally overmatched physically. Um, that's just a fact. And uh, Ennis Cantor just doesn't look like he can guard Jokic. Like he could guard Jokic of two years ago, but this version of Jokic is too good. Like can't, he just, can't, he just eats Cantor alive. Um, so it's like, it's just Nurk. <laughs> so they just need Nurk to be better. Like that's, that's too, maybe seems like too simple of a solution, but like, I thought the game plan in game one was, was the right move. Like you don't double team him because if you double team him, you let him pass, you let other guys get going and you get caught scrambling in, in rotations. And the Blazers aren't good at that. They're not good at scrambling and recovering. Like they're capable of it for small stretches. I'm not saying don't ever do it, but like a steady diet of it, you're going to get crushed by by Jokic and this team. So, like the the solution for how to slow down their best player is like just hope that you get the good Nurk. Get you know of like you just need you know he played 33 minutes in game one and they need 33 minutes of good Nurk in, in game in game three. Like that's he can't fell out. He can't be. Um, he needs to have a little more offense than he did in in game in game two. Like he just he just needs to be better. Um, because you don't have a lot of other solutions. And I don't think, I don't think loading up to him and sending multiple bodies at him, like the way, you know, you would guard a guard is, is the right move. Um, and there, you know, the roster, they don't have any other options. The other thing is that, you know, they're going to probably guard Dame with length. So, and I talked about this a little bit in, in, uh, the first segment is that CJ and Norm need to attack their mismatches. So if, you know, if they're putting, um, if they're putting Gordon on, on Dame, that means that probably Rocco is the guy who's going to get, end up with Michael Porter Jr. on him. And they're going to shift, uh, Austin Rivers and, um, and, and Falco Campazzo over. So Campazzo is going to be on, on McCollum. Rivers is going to be on Powell. That's like not too big of a mis- mismatch. Porter Jr., you know, you can hide him a little bit on Rocco because Rocco doesn't have a lot of offense unless you just set pick and rolls or pick and pops with Robert Covington. Let him set the screen. Let, come down and set double drags. The Blazers run a ton of, that's two screens at the top and like double drag would be meaning it, you like do it in transition. Set a ton of those and put Porter in the action and make him make a decision every time down the floor. Now, sometimes you don't bring a screen and you just let Dame and CJ go on their own. Like just let CJ attack Composo on his own, but you got to put, you got to put their bad defenders in actions. Like you got to put Jokic and you got to put Porter in stuff. Like, um, particularly when it's Gordon and Jokic, like I think the way to, um, this is like my sort of my, my most X's and OE adjustment that I'll offer you is like, because of how big Gordon is and the speed, the sort of lack of speed, I think you you want to put Jokic and Gordon in that pick and roll action together because uh, 
they're not going to be able to cover as much space laterally. And Gordon is just like literally going to get in Jokic's way as he tries to recover and stuff like that. Like it's not going to work every time, but that's, that's how instead of going ISO against Gordon, I think you put him in action with the center or you put him in the action with Porter Jr. and make them make a choice. You put him in the action where you screen with Compazzo. You just, you have CJ come screen with Compazzo and make him make a choice. Like you just, um, you got to get Dame off the ball in those ways. And I don't think running Dame off the ball completely, like I don't think having CJ handle is necessarily the best solution. You do it a bunch, you do it like, you know, 25% more because you know um, it allows Dame some ease, but I would rather run the offense through high post Nurk than I would just straight up CJ McCollum. So um, those like those little tweaks, like the Blazers, The Blazers' problem was not offense tonight. Like, they could have gotten better nights from Nurk. They could have got a better night from Norm and CJ. But, like, their problem wasn't scoring. Uh, They got a monster game from their best player. And, you know, they were... They, it's not like they they were right there because they weren't. But like the problem wasn't that they couldn't generate enough offense. The problem was that they couldn't outscore the Nuggets when Jokic was. They got killed when in, when Jokic sat, and they couldn't. They just couldn't slow Jokic down at all. Plus, they couldn't slow the Nuggets down without Jokic at all. Like the problem was on defense. So they just need to be better there. Um, some of that was personal responsibility. I thought the Blazers lost some of this with just getting dudes driving past them. Just drive, just straight line drives to the rim with no help. They're going to hug up on Jokic like, and bring him a little bit higher up on the floor like they did like around the foul line. Means the middle of the paint is open. And Nurk doesn't want to drop off. He does not want to sink low and help like he's, like he's used to because Jokic is a 40% three-point shooter. Or he's a really good mid-range shooter. And if you... And if you get caught, he's going to burn you. Like, dude dude is really good. So, like, Nurk is so attuned to what Jokic is doing that his help defense is worse. And the Blazers really have relied all season long on on Nurk cleaning up behind them. That's not going to be there. So it's on personal responsibility. Keep the ball in front of you. Like, that's that's easier said than done for this team and this personnel. But, I like, the, the adjustment is, like, Turn the ball over a whole lot less. Don't can't turn the ball over in 20 percent of your possessions. You need to literally cut those in half. You had twenty turnovers in this game. You need you know they average twelve a game. They need to be twelve or fewer in in game three if they want to win. They're going to have to attack the mismatches. So if Dame is getting length on him, uh, attack that length with speed. If the little guys are guarding Norman and CJ, smaller guys guarding Norman CJ, attack that. If if they're trying to hide uh, Porter Jr. on Robert Covington because of his lack of offense, make Covington into that screen or into that pick and pop threat. Have Rocco uh, have just some random cuts towards the rim. Like have him attack a little bit off the dribble and, and be decisive, uh, which makes Denver make decisions. Like it's all, it's all those little things you saw. I don't know if I don't want to call this like Denver's best punch, but this was Denver playing at a really high level in game two. They responded. They brought the energy. They were the team. They were the, they were the aggressor, I should say in in game two. And I think the, some of the adjustments from the Blazers is just like, don't, don't end up playing catch up right away. Don't be down 19, nine or 17, seven, you know, don't, don't get in that hole. Um, you know that they're going to bring it. It's a playoff series, y'all. There's text. There's pushing. Uh, Blazer fans hate Compazzo now, so it's it's for real. There's, you know, it's a playoff series when there is a, a random player on the other team that the fan base dislikes and. F- uh, Facundo Campazzo, a Mike G. Rich favorite. You're that guy. Congratulations. Um, <laughs> it's a playoff series. Thursday is going to be a lot of fun. Like 
back in the arena with fans. Incredibly important game, game three in a tied series. Uh, you know, the Blazers showed what they can be in game one. They showed their deficiencies in game two. What can they bring in game three? It's it's a fascinating, a great question. Gonna, I'm, I, I'm really, really, really looking forward to it. Uh, the rest of this week, here's what we got. We are uh, Harrison Wind of the DNVR. He covers the Nuggets and has been doing it for a long time. Is going to join me on Wednesday's show. I'll be re- recording that on Tuesday. It'll post on Wednesday. So look for your feeds in that. Which means that on Wednesday evening will be our mailbag show. Wednesday evening. So get your questions in right now. Send them to me at Mike G. Rich or email me lockedonblazerspot at gmail.com. And we will do our mailbag show Wednesday night. It'll post the day of game three. We'll go into game three answering all of your questions that's what we're doing you know what you could do to help me out just tell your friends you like this podcast say hey you're a blazer fan have you heard of locked on blazers and tell them they can find it wherever they already get podcasts we'll be there waiting for you just search locked on blazers appreciate you listening talk to you soon